So good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Somebody asked me, I've had several people ask me if I was going to be preaching during this time. And I said, why, sure. He worked on my shoulder, not my head. So you're going to have to put up with me anyway. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I feel the presence of the Lord. I wouldn't want to be here otherwise. Amen. I don't want to be anywhere where the presence of God is not. I know we can do better. I know that God is calling us to better things. We sang a lot about it today. I'm going to try to preach about it a little while. If you have your Bibles, then turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew 13, I'm going to read two verses of Scripture, verse 45 and 46. And while you're turning, getting ready for that, let me say a great big thank you to all of you who prayed For me, over the last few weeks, the cards, the kind words, I am going to live in spite of everything. I have a heart. They've already proven that. I do have a heart. Some folks thought I had lost mine, but I have a heart. It works good. Uh, My blood pressure went crazy for a few days, but it was because of medication, not because of me. I'm thankful to know that. Amen. I'm not about to fall out. I might wear out, but I'm not going to fall out. And I'm going to come after you today. You don't be shocked if I don't climb over the pew and come where you are right this morning. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 45. It says, again, the kingdom of, hev- of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it that's too short to read one time I need to read that again again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Everybody said amen. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about how the best can be found. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It doesn't matter if it's concerning you personally or your family or your home or your job or whatever personal issues you might be going through right now in your life. I want to talk to you about one of the most important things concerning where you are and where you're going. I am very hungry this morning, and I don't know that I can completely explain it. I don't know how to frame it in the right words. Sometimes you just get hungry for something. You, you get thirsty. You realize, even though you're enjoying something good, that something is missing, that it's good, but it's not the best. It's good, but it's not what it ought to be. I, 
I have felt much over the last few weeks like David felt when he stood outside the walls of Bethlehem and he peered down into a city that he loved very dearly and in that place that had been his home. Now the Philistines were lodged and he saw the well that he had gone to so many times and refreshed himself and as he looked at that well, he something broke in him. There was a flood of emotion. He didn't know anybody was around. He didn't know anybody even heard him. But he got so hungry that he began to talk to himself and verbalize that internal desire. And he said, oh, that I had water to drink from that well because there's no well like it. Unknown to him were some of his men who were nearby who heard that request and they hazarded their lives to go get their their leader what he had desired. But what struck me was the deep hunger that so overwhelmed David that without consciousness of others being around him, he began to cry out for something he had experienced in time past. He saw something that provoked a thought, a desire, a thirst, a hunger. And that's been going on in my heart over the last few weeks. I'm, I'm thirsty for something. I, not just anything. I, I'm thirsty for something from God. I am hungry for a work of God. We call it a sovereign work of God. That means you can't explain it. You can't define it. You can't quarantine it. You can't limit it. I'm hungry for something that can't be explained. I am thirsty for something that when it happens, it is so explosive and powerful that all that you can do is praise God for it and thank God for what he is doing, but you can't define it. Amen. Is anybody hungry for something like that? I'm worried about this generation that we live in, and I don't. when I say generation, I'm not talking about a certain age group. I guess really what I'm worried about is this frame of time in which the church lives. And I am afraid, I am worried about the church that lives in this time in which we now exist. Because there's something missing and nobody seems to realize that it's missing. It's like the story of the emperor with no clothes. Nobody wanted to embarrass the king and his in his impropriety and so when everybody came by they acknowledged him as if he had his clothes on and it took a little child somebody with just a simple mind and a simple way of looking at to pull on mother's coattail and say but mommy he doesn't have any clothes on why why are we greeting him as if he is fully clothed and it seems like But the generation in which we now live, we feel like we are fully clothed, but the truth is we are naked. We are missing some things. We are, we've lost something in the process of living. And it's not just standards. That's not what I'm talking about. 
that I understand that many of those have been lost, but before standards are lost, what I'm talking about this morning is lost. It's something intangible. It, it's not something you can put your fingers on. You can't buy it at the store. You can't order it on Amazon. You can't get it on eBay. There's something that you cannot visibly see but works, and it's powerful. It's amazing in what it can do, and it's called desire. Desire, hunger, thirst. I'm afraid for many people, they're fumbling the big business of life right now, and we're wasting life in the pursuit of things that are good, but they're not the best, and they're not the most important. They're not bad, but they're not the thing that our life should really be going for. We're kind of like the boys that were found in the square of a small village in Africa, And as the missionary moved among them, he saw a glitter among the marbles that these boys were playing with. And when he paused to look down, he realized that these boys were playing marbles with diamonds. And it seemed like that's the world in which we live in. We're playing marbles with things that are of such value that we cannot comprehend. Some are like the boys who stood by the swollen river in Tennessee watching a river that had been flooded by recent rains. And they were watching the debris as it flowed down the river. And in a little while, there was this huge bundle of lumber that had been swept away from the lumber yard that came floating down the river. And as they watched that large lumber pack floating down the river, they also noticed a little head bobbing up and down among the waves and the debris, and it was a little rabbit that had been dislodged from its den. And they watched it as it struggled toward that bundle of lumber, looking for a refuge in that time of trouble. And finally it made its way to to the lumber pile and crawled up and exhausted The boys watched as it just laid down as if it had died. And one of the boys realized this is is right picking. This, This is an easy take. And so he decided to take a canoe and go out. He said, we won't even have to chase this one. We can just knock it in the head and it'll be ours. And so he goes out into the raging torrent and he... He finally gets out to where that wrap of wood was and he knocked the rabbit in the head and he put it down in his overalls and he turned his canoe to make his way back to land when all of a sudden the current started swirling and something happened, something hit him from the rear and the next thing they knew it had turned upside down and those other boys stood and watched their friend drown in that swollen river and three days later when they pulled his body out one of the little boys went over reached inside his coveralls and pulled out the rabbit and said this is what he lost his life for amen we're losing a lot in the day in which we live for things that really don't matter there's a deterioration of the quality of life and I'm not here to complain I'm not griping I'm just saying that Something has been lost. Something is missing, and we don't even seem to be aware of it. We're like the king with no clothes. We parade ourselves through life as if we still have it, when the reality is it's gone. 
It's the best. That's what it is. It's the desire for something better. It's understanding that there is something better in life, something more important than the trivial things that sometimes consume our life. And we have forgotten that the quest in life is not for just stuff, but for the right stuff. Amen. For the right stuff. It's not just reaching goals and accomplishing tasks, but are we accomplishing the right task and are we reaching the right goals? There's nothing wrong in you and I having things. There's nothing wrong with us enjoying the very best there is of life to be offered to us. But when those things that are temporary become a substitute for that which is eternal, we are in danger of losing the most important thing that life can bring to us. For the things of this world, the Bible said, are going to melt with a fervent heat. But the Word of God is going to stand forever And somehow this morning, I would like to awaken something in you and stir something in you that would cause you to hunger and reach out for something better than what you have right now and deeper than what you're experiencing in your life. Something that's more real and tangible than just the floating things of pleasure and all the other things that life has to offer. Something eternal, something deep, the best. The word that that is used to describe the best is the choice, the preeminent, the greatest, the superlative. Those are the things that we really ought to be hungry for. And it's amazing that when Jesus wanted to liken the kingdom of God, he likened it to a man seeking goodly pearls. Not just goodly gems, not just goodly things, but goodly pearls. There was a focus to his effort. There was an intent in his life. And as I looked at this story, I've been drawn. I'm afraid in the world in which we live, we have lost our ability to distinguish and determine uh, what is really best. Sometimes, you know, we talk about, well, this is the best Mexican food in town. And that really, you know what, that's, that's a misnomer because the best is relative to your taste buds. I've gone some places to eat that they said that this is the best seafood ever. And you just gag because you're wondering, they must have grown up on turnip greens and something else. I don't know. You know, they talk about the best. But the best that I'm talking about cannot be surmounted. There's nothing above it. It's a desire for the things that God gives and the things that God can offer. And I'm afraid that we've lost the ability to distinguish what is good. You know, we've had enough Taco Bells in life that, you know, you eat enough Taco Bells, you get to thinking Taco Bell is pretty good Mexican food. And if you think that Taco Bell is good Mexican food, I need to work on your mind today because you've got something loose. But I promise you, you can go on 
Facebook and somebody will say, oh, man, I found the best place today, Taco Bell. (laughs) Sonic, man, that's the best place in town. And so we we have lost our ability. What we call good and the best, the quality of it is is lacking, and I'm, I'm looking and I'm thinking, is there something wrong with me? You know, I figured out the other day, I'm an old man. I, I, I finally figured that out. I didn't realize that. I know I'm 60, but I didn't realize that until the other day. You know, I used to see these old guys, they come in, they were half-shaved, you know, have hair sticking out on their neck. I always thought, man, I don't ever want, I want to make sure when I shave, I clean my whole face up. But I looked in the mirror the other day, And I had hairs everywhere. You know, you just reach a place where you don't care anymore. I used to think that was important. But you know what? There's people that will spend more time before the mirror getting themselves ready than they do on their knees talking to God about something far important than this outside man. People will spend more money on the clothes they wear than they will on the offerings that they give. Or they will spend more on a meal that they eat than they do in the support of things that are eternal. That's how sick our world has become. Man, a world that's lost its ability to distinguish. We've lost our taste. I want God to give us a fresh Hey, I, I want him to revive our taste buds. You, you know, you get to eating enough junk food, and you get to thinking that that's okay. And you get to living enough junk. You get to thinking that's just life. And that's what a lot of people are saying. Well, you know, this is just life. It's just what I have to put up with. And the reality is it's just because we've gotten used to that taste. You don't have to live with trash if you don't want to live with trash. You can develop a taste for that. You can say, you know what? That doesn't belong in my house. That is not coming in my house. That is not coming into my mind. That is not coming into my spirit. That is not coming into my life. I will not let that happen to me. I'm afraid we have become satisfied on lesser things, telling ourselves that it's the best that there is. And I guess that's why I've been drawn to this story. And I was up till midnight last night, I, up in the middle of the night. Every time I woke up, I thought about, man, this, there, is such mirror, there is such a powerful message of deliverance in this little text that if I could get it in somebody's heart today, it would transform this church. I believe that. There's a message of victory. There's a message of overcoming If you will understand the parable, I believe it will change your life. If you understand what Jesus was saying to people when he said the the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man seeking goodly pearls. If you can understand all that encompasses those simple words, there is something in that revelation that will turn your life upside down and there is a knowledge that it will give you, and there is a discrimination that will come into your life, 
and there is a determination that will come into your living that will not let you be satisfied with junk and trash and all of the other rubbish and garbage that we are satisfied with living with and telling ourselves all the time, it's okay, it's okay, this is as good as it gets. And the reality is it isn't even close to good. Amen. Some people live in homes that are nothing but chaos all the time. Mean, vindictive spirits, and they think that's normal. <clears throat> I want to tell you there's a better way to live than that. Amen. Here was a man worth imitating. Here's a man worth understanding. Here is a man who is after the best. And the message of my text got to me. It, I hope it gets to you. The first thing that I noticed about this man is that he was seeking goodly Things. Everybody say goodly things. Goodly things. They're, the word that I want to stick in your mind right now is the word desire. There was something in this man that pointed him in a certain direction. Not diamonds, not emeralds, not any of the other things that could have attracted him, but the Bible said he was after goodly pearls. And it is important for you and I to understand that in biblical times, the pearl was considered the most exquisite jewel there was. It was more valued than diamonds or rubies or any of the other things. The pearl, because of its significance, it was an irritation that had been overcome. And the iridescent fluid that is produced by the clam or the mollusk, and it produces that pearl, is there's nothing that can reproduce the beauty of a true original pearl. And so because of that, there was a value that was placed upon overcoming. I like that. There's a value placed on getting past the irritants in life and getting past the things that aggravate you and, and, and not letting them tear you up but make them produce something in your life that's worth value, that's worth something to keep, that doesn't just keep you marked as a mean person or a bitter person, but there's something about what you go through. There's something that life excretes, that something God helps you produce that covers all of that irritant. And I guess that's why I love pearls is because they are irritations overcome. And maybe the reason I want to go to heaven so bad is because the Bible said there are going to be gates of pearl. Can you imagine the irritation that had to be overcome to make a pearl that size, to make a gate out of it? I'm talking about a life-size problem. And God said, I'm going to make it the gate that you walk through. That's what I'm looking for. Somebody that has the ability to rise up and overcome and say, you know what? This is not going to destroy me. This is not going to kill me. This is not my end. This is an opportunity. Amen. I didn't mean to preach like this today, but you're going to have to put up with it. Everybody say desire. Desire. Desire means a wish, a want, a craving, a longing, a want, a need. It was for goodly things. I'm amazed at the number of people who waste their lives for worthless, trivial, temporary things. But he lived with purpose. I love this. I've been wanting to preach about this for the longest, and I couldn't figure out how. He lived with purpose. I cannot tell you how many people I've counseled over the last few years and they come to me and say, Brother Hughes, I don't know what my purpose is. I can't find my purpose. What am I supposed to do? 
You, I, I, you know, that's a hard question to answer. I, how do you find your purpose? And I look at him and I, I say, well, you know what I want to tell you? I'm not sure you're going to receive. Because they're wanting me to define something that will give them a meaning to get up in the morning and do what they do. And this is what I discovered. This man was not looking for his purpose. This man was living on purpose. And when you start living on purpose, when you start living with a direction, when you start living with an intent in your life, then you start finding your purpose. He didn't come across the goodly pearl by accident. He found it because he was pursuing that. That's what he was looking for. I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you looking for? What are you after? What drives you? What gets you up in the morning? What, what makes you tick? Is it a bigger paycheck? Is it a nicer car? Is it better clothes? Is it having more food to eat? Is it getting back at somebody? Is it getting even with somebody? What makes you want to do the things you do? What drives you? And what I found out about this man is that he knew what he was after. Look at the words associated with purpose. I thought this was amazing. Drive, determination, perseverance, commitment, persistence, resolution, tenacity. That's pretty good company to keep if you ask me. I'm talking about something that's worth hanging out with. I'm talking about something that's worth giving your life for. Talk about a difference maker in your life when you start living on purpose. You start living with purpose. He didn't look for purpose. He lived with it. And because he lived with purpose, he found purpose. And so it is with life. Purposeful living is the most powerful living there is. And you will not find your purpose. You will live into your purpose. Do you understand that? So get off of your seat and quit doing nothing and find something to do that's worth doing. Figure out something that's worth giving yourself to. Figure out something that's worth dying for and start working toward that goal. And you're going to find that as you begin to live with that direction and that intent in your life, that you start realizing, you, you, you start finding that I, do, I found purpose here. I found purpose here. I found purpose here. I was able to touch somebody here. I was able to reach somebody here. Purposeful living is powerful living. It'll make a difference in your life. Listen to this. Daniel was living in a hostile environment. There was not one thing about his surroundings that was conducive to what he was going to do. And that was live for God. Everything was against him. And yet the Bible said he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. He purposed in his heart that he would live by a different standard than Babylon. And when he determined to live by a different standard in Babylon, all of a sudden he turned the tide. He turned the tables on the enemy. When he began to live like that, when he determined to live with purpose, he changed the whole outcome. 
Many would ask, how could a man succeed against such powerful forces? But when he purposed how he would live and how he would conduct his life, it changed everything. And now, get this, it wasn't how he was going to deal with his environment, but how his environment was going to deal with him. It wasn't now what Babylon was going to do to him. It was what he was going to do to Babylon. That's how life changes when you start living on purpose. When you start living on purpose, it's like Babylon is going to have to sit up and take notice of you. They're going to have to deal with you. Babylon was going to have to reckon with him, not he reckon with Babylon. That's how you turn the odds in your favor. That's how you turn the tide for your family. That's how you turn the tide for your spiritual life is make up in your mind, get a desire for something better and start pursuing it. Babylon could no more ignore Daniel than you can ignore a 10-ton gorilla in your living room because he'd made up his mind how he was going to live. You know what we're afraid of? We're afraid of what the culture is going to do to us. You know what I discovered about the church in Acts? They weren't worried about what the world was coming to. They were more concerned about what was coming to the world, a gospel that could save sinners. When I look around every day, everything that comes on the news discourages me. Every time I look at the political system, I get sick at my stomach and I want to throw up. In our country vernacular, we call it puke. And that's what I feel like doing when I look at our political system right now. It makes me nauseated. It makes me embarrassed that I'm an American. But you know what? I'm not taking my cues from my culture right now. I'm not taking my cues from what's going on in Washington or in a Democrat or a Republican Party or an Independent Party. I don't care what's going on in China or Russia or anywhere else. What I want to know is what's going on in the kingdom of God. What matters to God? Because that's the only thing that's going to last. That's what's going to take us from here to another world. It's not what's going on in Washington, but what's going on in the heaven. What is God interested in? What is God concerned about from my life? What is God wanting me to get a hold of? I'm talking about reaching for better things. The purposeful merchant was on the pathway to a better life because he had a desire. And that desire gave him direction. That's the second word I want to lodge in your mind. Direction. Everybody say direction. Desire gives you direction. It points you. It, it, it gives you some kind of impetus. It, you're not just wandering the streets and deciding that wherever you wind up, that's what you will enjoy. I set, it, it sets the tone for your life. It will set the temper of your life. Much of the prevailing restlessness and attitude of this age is because we don't know what is worth giving ourselves to. There is no positive direction in many people's lives. They're just moving from place to place. I watch the people in my neighborhood, wealthy. Some of them are very wealthy. Some of them are just poor like me. But I've watched them come and go. They've got all the toys. They've got every gadget. You look in their garage, it is full of stuff. I mean, the latest, the most expensive, 
trying to outdo one another. And I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, you know, you're an intelligent person. You, 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 you're, you're smart, or you wouldn't have reached the place that you have in life. But there's something missing. You're pouring all of your energy into this. And in a few days or weeks or months, all of this is going to burn up with a fervent heat. Somebody asked Mr. Rockefeller after he died, they asked his accountant, how much did he leave? And the accountant looked at him and said, all of it. You ain't taking nothing out of this world. Naked you came and naked you're going to leave. You better get that in your mind right now because we spend our lives trying to reach a certain goal and I'm not against that. But if that's the only thing that drives you, you are missing the mark, my friend. That ought to be a secondary goal. My number one goal is to make sure that when God calls the roll, that my name is on that roll, that when the trumpet sounds, there's something in me that gets off the ground. I don't want to stay here when that moment comes. I want something to pull me out of here to another world because I have connected to that world. Amen. I know I'm not behaving this morning, but you're just going to have to forgive me. God, help us revive something in us for better, best, the best things, the best things. Give us direction. There's enough energy. Did you understand? There's there's enough energy in an acre of sunshine. If you took an acre of land and you took all the sunshine that was on that acre of land, there is enough power in that light to blast every rock under the surface to tiny little bits if it were focused. If it was focused, you could take the light and blow a hole and pulverize everything beneath that dirt because it's focused. That's what, when we start, when we cultivate a desire, we're hungry for better things. I want to I raise the taste level in my life. I'm tired of being satisfied with Sonic and Burger King and thinking that's as good as it gets. But you know what? There's, there's places like Perry's out there and the Chop House. And there's places like, uh, I don't know, Maggiano's. I mean, I want to elevate my, my taste buds in the spirit realm. I, I'm, I don't want to just come to church and go through my little motions and say, okay, I went to church. Let me hurry home so I can get to what really matters to me. This ought to be a focal point. This, this ought to be what really matters. That when we come here, the energy level ought to be high enough. Somebody's not having to say, come on now, let's worship God. Come on now, let's pray. Come on now, let's seek God. When we come into the house of God, there ought to be such a focus in our mind because this is what really matters. In all the other things that I'm doing are peripheral. They're secondary. But what really matters is what happens in here. Whether I make connection with God, whether I get my life straightened out, whether I get my my life turned in the right direction, whether I get my attitude fixed or whether I get my mind renewed. That's what really matters. Amen. Amen. Many people are caught up in the drama of life, but they have no discernment of life. 
I need to say that again. Many people are caught up in the drama of life, but they have no discernment of life. They don't realize that all that you're getting bent up about right now is going to pass away. All that stuff you're all tied up in knots over and you're just laying awake at night. All the things that you are so concerned about are temporary. They're all temporary. They're going to fade away. Five years from now, you won't even remember. As a matter of fact, most of us won't even remember it next week unless we start harping on it, unless we take it as our musical cue and we start singing the blues. That's the only way hurts live is if you nurse them. They'll die if you quit nursing them. Amen. They'll die. You know the only way the pearl, I mean the, the, the clam, the oyster can overcome that irritation is to not nurse it, but cover it. It's got to cover it. And so it secretes that fluid that covers it. And it keeps secreting until it smooths out the edges and the irritation is gone. And it keeps doing that because that's the way to deal with problems. It's not to, you know what, I deserved it. They, they were wrong. They should not have treated me. They should not have, you know, they didn't even speak to me this morning. They, they, they didn't even hug my neck. They think they're so better than... They're, they're, you, got to, you see how high their nose was this morning. If it had rained, they would have drowned. Jesus, have mercy. Those are the things that keep living and they hurt us because they have a way of messing up our taste for what's good. And we start satisfying ourselves with this. With this. It's called junk food. That's, that's all it is. I like it. I know you do too because we eat thousands and thousands and millions of dollars of it every, every day. Junk food. Because there's no nutritional value in it. It just satisfies a taste that has been developed in our culture for something less than the best. Imitation. Imitation. This man had a reason for living. He was not like the joyrider mindset of so many in our world. They don't care about direction. They don't care about where they're going. They're not worried about even the destination. They're just enjoying the ride. You know what? I want to enjoy the ride, but I want to know when I get where I'm going, I've gotten where I want to be. Amen. Amen. They said that, I believe it was Albert Einstein, brilliant man, I think it was him, he took a certain train to work every morning. But one thing about Albert Einstein, he was very forgetful, as amazing as it was. He, he, he could not remember where he was going next. And so he was on this trip from his home, I think, to New York City or somewhere. And the conductor come by looking for their tickets. And, and uh, he started shuffling around trying to find his ticket. 
And the guy said, oh, don't worry about it, Mr. We, we know who you are. You're on this train every week. He, don't worry about it. We, he said, oh, that's, that, I, I, I'm not worried about that. He said, I'm trying to find the ticket because I've got to figure out where I'm going. And that's the way a lot of people are in life. When they get in time, they don't even like church services like this. We like to keep it light. We like church light. You know, just kind of make everybody feel good about where we are and rah, 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 you're doing good. You know what? That's all right. But when I meet up with cancer, I don't need somebody saying, rah, 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 you're doing good. Now keep smiling. I need somebody that can operate on me. I need, I, when I've got bitterness down inside of me, I don't need somebody coming by saying, oh, you're so cute. You, you, you deserve, you're just, you just love Jesus. I need somebody to t- figure out, help me figure out how to get in there and get that out. I don't want that in me. I, I, I don't need that in my life. And what I need is for somebody that can reach down where I'm living and get hold of me and pull me up on my feet and say, Hey, it's time to sit up and pay attention. It's time for you to wake up and realize, what are you reaching for? What are you giving your life for? What are you spending all your energy for? What are you giving your life to? Is it worth what you're doing? Amen. I'm moving on. Everybody say he's moving on. But he didn't, he, didn't just have a, he didn't just have a desire for goodly things. He had an eye for the best things. And so in order to have an eye for the best things, you've got to make some decisions in life that you're going to develop a sense of value. He, he had a sense of what was supreme. I want to be found in the likeness of that man. I, I want to have a sense of value in my life. I want to be able to look at say something and say, you know what, that, that's worth giving my energy to. Or, you know what, that's okay, but that's, that's not what I need to spend all my life doing. I want to, I want to have enough uh, understanding. And what, what happens is it, it's based on decisions. You start making decisions in life that really set you in a motion to be blessed. And the reason some people will never be blessed is because they keep making dumb decisions. Now, I know that's not a word I'm supposed to use in church. I'm trying to break myself of that. Somebody help me with a, a, a word to replace dumb. Is there a word that you can use to replace dumb? I mean, all those other words, they just don't do what dumb does. I mean... Don't, don't help me right now. I'm already confused enough. We make those kind of decisions and we wonder why our life stinks. We wonder why it's not working out. I, I used to say, you know, people shoot themselves in the foot and then they wonder why their foot hurts. It's like every morning they get up and they take a hammer and they put their hand out on the table and they go, wham! Man. It's like, okay, I understand your problem. It's not the hammer. It's not even your hand. It's a little higher up. 
There's some decisions that have to be made that put you in the right. If you want to be blessed, you just have to make a decision. I'm going to be blessed. You know what I've determined? I've determined this in life, that you have to speak what you seek until you see what you say. You, you can't just go through life and say, well, that's just the way it is. Because life, what you see in life is not always what there is in life. And so you have to look beyond what you see and you have to start speaking what you want to see, what you desire, what you seek. And when you start speaking what you seek, then you will find and you will discover that it's everything you wanted it to be. And you will begin to see in your life the things that you speak. Amen. Somebody help me to say the right thing right now. But God, help me to make wise decisions. Help me when it comes to times in my life when I don't know what to do, that I get, I get good counsel. You know what disturbs me is that people make decisions and then they come and say, Brother Hughes, what do you think? Well, it doesn't matter what I think at this point. The decision has already been made. I don't argue with people at that point. They want you to, but I'm not, I'm not wasting my time either. I could be a Taco Bell enjoying a taco. <laughs> Some of you think I've been starved, but I've not. I'm... <laughs> he had made decisions that made decisions for him. There's some things that you choose to do that in choosing to do it, you choose not to do other things. You don't have to say, well, I'm not doing that, and I'm not doing that, and I'm not doing There's a lot of people that live their whole life on that religion. They live on the religion of not. I'm not this. I'm not that. I don't do this. You know what? That's a sick way of living. I'm not worried about what I can't do. I'm glorifying God in what I can do. I, I'm a free man this morning. I enjoy everything I want to enjoy. I can do everything I want to do, Brother Jonathan. I can go anywhere I want to go. I can be any kind of man I want to be. I am not restricted. I, I don't live in a bound. I don't live in an oppressive law kind of religious relationship. I do the things I do because I found that they bring great blessings. Amen. Well, do I have to? That's not a good way to live. I'm not, I'm not concerned about what I don't do. I'm deciding what I do want to do. And when you decide what you, what, when you decide the crowd you want to hang out with, it's going to determine who you're not going to hang out with. And you can't hang out. Well, with the turkeys and expect to soar like an eagle. That's just all there is to it. You're going to become what you fellowship. You're going to become what you let into your family, what you let into your home, what you let into your life. You're going to become, your spouse is going to become what you speak into them. You want a better wife? Start speaking that into her. You want a better husband? Start speaking that into him. Because he's going to live into what you say about him. Well, you don't ever do that. You don't ever do that. You don't ever do that. 
You know, I wish I could cut that part out of people's life, just that yin yang yang. My dad called it the yang yes. I don't know how you define that, but I, I wish I could cut that part out. Man, I am meddling today. Goodness gracious, help me. And I'm not on any medication either. That's what's really bad. I'm in my right mind today. <clears throat> he made decisions that made decisions. Decisions that set us on the course for the best. That's what I'm after. Decisions that set me in line for the very best. What you choose and what you do not choose will make or break your life. You get what you seek and you get what you purpose, what you put in the focus of your life. The reason some people's families fail is because they don't put that as a focus. Some people's jobs fail because that's not really a focus. The reason their personal life flounders is because it's not really a focus. It's just something that they do. They know they've got to. They know they need to. But they don't ever really understand that it's not about what you've got to or what you need to. But it's about what you better do if you want the blessings of God. Decisions that make for victory. Decisions that make for peace. Decisions that make for power. Many people are picking the worthless over the eternal. The second, or, or the fourth thing, and I'm going to close. I'm, I'm running out of steam here. But this man recognized the best when he saw it, so that means that he had some discernment. I, I wish that God could give us a spirit of discernment in this hour. Now, I, don't, I know we've got, we got some of that. People come in, oh, man, I can feel their spirit. I don't need anybody feeling their spirit anymore. Most of the time, their feelers are broke. They're, they're the one that's been hitting their finger. They don't have any feeling anyway, so they wouldn't know sick them from come here. But anyway, <clears throat> discernment, discernment. Something that would happen to our spiritual taste buds that when it got in our mouth, hmm, Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, that's what you do when it's not. You say, well, it's rude to do that. You're supposed to swallow it. No, no, no I'm not. It's coming out. I, I wish that my granddaughter could help me some with that because if it goes, first of all, it's got to pass the smell test to go into Callie's mouth. She smells of it first. If it doesn't smell right, it's not going in her mouth. You know what? That's a pretty good philosophy to live by. It doesn't need to go in your life if it doesn't smell right. But you know what the problem is? Some people have lived in an environment of stench for so long that they have lost their ability to smell that. You know what I'm talking about? I better be careful because I'm on thin ice right now. But if it goes in the mouth and it doesn't, If it passed the smell test, but something about it doesn't pass the taste test, it's not staying. Now, I know that's rude. I know we're grown-ups. We're not supposed to do that. But somehow, spiritually, we've got to get to the place where that's what happens in our spiritual life. That it passes the smell. There's got to be a distinction about it. There's got to be something about it that it's not going to come into my life if it doesn't pass a certain test. And even if it gets past that test, there's another test. 
and develop a discernment so that we can get away from Taco Bell living, that we could get away from Sonic living, we could get away from Whataburger life. And if that's how you live, please forgive me. I'm not talking about your income. I'm talking about your mindset. I'm talking about what you get in your mind that you become satisfied with and you're okay to put up with it and you let you excuse it in your life. God, help me develop a discernment that would understand that there's something better than that, that there's something higher than that, that my life, my family, my hope, my job, my spiritual life could be better. It could be at a different level than it is today if I would just wake up and stir myself and begin to hunger like David looking down at that well oh oh the sight of that well oh I wish God would give some of you a vision today of something of the past that has been a refreshing something of your past that stirred you spiritually something of your past that brought you close to him I wish God would give you a glimpse of that for just a moment you could see that and it would stir something Oh, 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 that I had to drink of that well. There's nothing like it. There's, there's nothing to compare with it. Oh, that's, that's good, but that's not like this well. I think I'm talking to some people this morning that's been at some deeper places in your spiritual life than you are right now. And God's calling you back to those places. Amen. But here's the, here's the clincher. And this is what derails most dreams. And this is what kills most people's desire. The climax of his wisdom is seen in one last statement. Is that when he found the one pearl of great price. He went and sold all that he had. And came and purchased that one pearl. He was not afraid to pay the price. And that is what has a lot of folks hung up. They have discernment. They have knowledge. They have the taste. They know. They know. But when it comes to paying the price of laying some things down and making some decisions that are going to put them back in the right direction. They're just unwilling to pay the price. And it, it costs to have the best. It, it costs a little more. It, 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 it involves a resolution in your mind that whatever it takes, Whatever it takes. If it takes everything, then I'm willing to give everything. It doesn't matter because I understand that what I have found is worth everything that I give. The price is not too high. He was not afraid of the price. When the Lord said to his disciples, Except a man... Fall into the ground like a wheat and die. He shall abide alone. But if he dies, he's going to live. It was hard for them to understand. Except you love 
me more than you love mother and father and sister and brother. You cannot have part in my kingdom. What a hard statement to say. What, what a mindset to project on people. And yet, he was trying to help them understand that the best cost. The best. Many families fall apart because someone is not willing to pay the price. Many spiritual lives flounder because we're just tired. We don't, we're, we're not willing to pay the price. We're not willing to make our way back to Calvary and fall beneath its crimson flow and say, God, change me. Change me. Move me. Stir me. Help me develop a taste for the best. Help me to elevate my expectations and elevate my mind, my thinking, so that, so that I'm reaching for things that matter. And that when it's all said and done, and all of this comes to the end, that there will be something left for me on the other side. Let's stand together.